the Steve Bannon interview, uh, I've been getting emails all day from people who want my take on this, so I'm going to go ahead and get into this now. i got to tell you again up front, I don't know the guy. I've, I've, I haven't even – he's been in a room twice when I have been with the president, but I've never been formally introduced even, and I've never spoken directly to him. So none of this is, is to me, based on any personal knowledge I have of Bannon or – the arrangement that Trump and Bannon have. All, all I can do is speculate here, which I'll be happy to do. Now, the reason uh, that Washington's in a tizzy today is because Bannon called Robert Kuttner at the American Prospect. This for an exclusive interview. This would be like Reagan calling Pravda. I mean, this would be un, unreal. Of all the people Bannon could call, he calls Kuttner at the American Prospect. He calls somebody that hates Trump as much as anybody hates Trump. And it was not off the record. He wanted whatever is in this interview, Bannon wants out there. And it's out there. I watched Carl Rove react to it today, and he was beside himself. He just could not believe any of this. He couldn't believe any any aspect of it. Thought it was the craziest, strangest, oddest, dumbest thing he's ever seen from any administration. I'm not going to share with the whole thing. I have, I've pared this down to its bare essence. Bannon was in high spirits when he phoned me Tuesday afternoon. This is Kuttner. This is the leftist anti-Trumpist. Bannon was in high spirits when he phoned me Tuesday afternoon to talk politics. About taking a harder line with China. He meant no words describing his efforts to neutralize his rivals at the Department of Defense, Department of State, and Treasury. Bannon said, we are at economic war with China. It's in all their literature. They're not shy about saying what they're doing. One of us is going to be a hegemon in 25 or 30 years, and it's going to be them if we go down this path. On Korea... They're just tapping us along. It's just a sideshow. Hegemon, dominant. Hegemon means the big winner in this context. So Bannon is saying, everything going on out there that you see with Korea, that's a sideshow. It's not really what's important. What's important is our economic war with China. And if we're not careful, we're going to lose it. This is a slap at Trump. And it's being seen as a slap at Trump because of additional comments that Bannon made on North Korea. Now, Kuttner wrote the following. Bannon said he might consider a deal in which China got North Korea to freeze its nuclear buildup with verifiable inspections and the United States removed its troops from the peninsula south of the DMZ. But such a deal seemed remote, given that China is not likely to do much more on North Korea than they already are, and that the logic of mutually assured destruction was its own source of restraint, Bannon saw no reason not to proceed with tough trade sanctions against China. What struck me about this is the the way Kuttner wrote this. Bannon said he might—he's not talking about Trump— talking about himself. Bannon said 
I might consider a deal in which China got North Korea to freeze its nuclear buildup. And then he went further on North Korea. You know, Trump has been out there promising fire and fury, and Trump has been really launching at Kim Jong-un, and he's been making it clear that if Kim Jong-un launches at Guam or does anything, that there's going to be hellfire to pay. And Bannon undercut all of that in this interview. Contrary to Trump's threat of fire and fury, Bannon said, there's no military solution in North Korea. Forget it. Until somebody solves the part of the equation that shows me that 10 million people in Seoul do not die in the first 30 minutes from conventional weapons, I don't know what you're talking about. There's no military solution here. They got us. Okay, so once again, Bannon portrays himself as the architect of thinking and policy on Korea, not Trump, just as Bannon said he might consider a deal in which China got... So Bannon is conveying here that he is the decision-maker and strategist on these foreign policy subjects or questions, and that Trump is just along for the ride. I think there's a reason for this. I'll tell you what I think in a minute here, but... uh, this is a, folk, there's no question, Bannon here in this interview just threw Trump's North Korea policy under the bus. Because what Trump has been talking in terms of tough talk with Kim Jong-un is in fact a military response by us. If Kim Jong-un starts something, if he launches and hits Guam or any other American target, Trump has made it clear that it might be the last thing Kim Jong-un ever does. And Bannon just threw that under the bus. Nah, nah, nah. He said, there's no military solution. Forget it. I don't know what you're talking about. No military solution at all here. They got us on that, meaning we're paralyzed. We can't, we can't stop the North Koreans. And Bannon then goes on to say, they're not even the problem. North Korea is not what it's about. Bannon said, to me, the economic war with China is everything, and we have to be maniacally focused on that. If we continue to lose it, and we're five years away, ten years of the most, of hitting an inflection point from which we will never be able to recover. Bannon's plan of attack includes a complaint under Section 301 of the 1974 Trade Act against Chinese coercion of technology transfers from American corporations doing business there and follow-up complaints against steel and aluminum dumping. We're going to run the tables on these guys. We've come to the conclusion that they are in an economic war, and they're crushing us, and we have to stop it. Now, Trump has alluded throughout the campaign, and even in his days as president, he has alluded to the nefarious tactics and activities of the Shikons. So on this, uh, Bannon seems consistent with Trump. Now, this complaint under Section 301 of the 1974 Trade Act against Chinese coercion of technology transfers from American corporations doing business, what that means, you know, Apple assembles iPhones and iPads and HomePods and any number of gadgets in China. And therefore, Chinese manufacturing companies are aware they are exposed to Apple technology. They are exposed to uh, 
Apple Secrets. And the 1974 Trade Act prevents a host nation like China from coercing tech secrets, trade secrets, from, say, a company like Apple in order for Apple to continue to be allowed to do business there. And Ban is talking about filing a complaint that the Chicoms are violating this, that they're actually engaged in theft of intellectual and technological property and saying that this can't stand and that they're way ahead of us on this. And if we don't get our act in gear in 10 years tops, the Chicoms are going to beat us and it's over. And North Korea is a sideshow. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. And then he was asked, what, what about all the people that don't like you, Steve? State Department, Defense Department. Oh, they're wetting themselves, Bannon said. They're peeing in their pants. I'm changing out people at East Asian Defense. I'm getting Hawks in there. I'm getting Susan Thornton out at state. Not Trump. Bannon is supposedly clearing out all the Obama embeds in there. He's getting rid of Susan Thornton. She's the acting head of East Asian and Pacific Affairs at the State Department. I'm getting rid of these people that are thwarting their thwarting our agenda. They're wetting themselves. I don't care. Kuttner says, can Bannon really win that internal fight? Bannon said, that's a fight I fight here every day. And we're still fighting. There's Treasury, the National Economic Council Chair, Gary Cohn, Goldman Sachs lobbying. I'm fighting against these people every day. Now, I find it interesting that the lead headline at Drudge right now, this is hours after this interview was published. This is key with Bannon saying here, yeah, I fight these guys inside this administration every day. Treasury, the Economic Council Chairman Gary Cohn, these Goldman Sachs lobbyists, I'm fighting them every day. The lead story at Drudge right now, Gary Cohn resignation would crash markets, stocks fall. Okay, so somebody is responding to Bannon's claim here that he's doing everything he can to get rid of Gary Cohn. And that would mean get rid of Dina Powell. And that would mean get rid of the influence of Jared and Ivanka. He's doing everything he can to get rid of that in order to save this administration of people trying to sabotage it. Well, those people have responded because this is, let me click on the link. I did it once at CNBC. Let me see what it is. Yeah, CNBC has got the story. A Gary Cohn resignation would crash the markets, would sink the stock market. Now, Rove was saying, I can't believe this. I can't believe that Trump has anybody on his staff that would do this. I can't believe that Trump doesn't get rid of this guy yesterday. I can't believe that Trump would be afraid to get rid of this guy. What kind of a functioning White House staff is there if the president is afraid of an aide? And the reason for the fear, I'll explain here in just a moment. Final point. Kuttner says, I I asked Bannon about the connection between his program of economic nationalism and the ugly white nationalism epitomized by the racist violence in Charlottesville and Trump's reluctance to condemn it. 
Bannon, after all, was the architect of the strategery of using Breitbart News to heat up white nationalism and then rely on the radical right as Trump's base. That is BS, and that is exactly the point I made in the previous hour. They're trying to characterize what you saw in Charlotte as the Trump base, and it's not big enough to be the Trump base. It's not even close. They're trying to portray you in this audience who voted for Trump as no different from those lunatics that you saw protesting the white supremacists and the Nazis and the Klan in Charlottesville. And Kuttner is doing it here in this question to Bannon. Bannon's answer to this was to dismiss the far right as irrelevant. He sidestepped his own role in cultivating it. He said, ethno-nationalism, it's losers. It's a fringe element. I think the media plays it up too much. We got to help crush it and help crush it more. These guys are a collection of clowns is what he just said about the Klan and the Nazis and the white supremacists, a collection of clowns. And Rove was up saying, collection of clowns? Is that the best you can do? They're worse than a collection of clowns. People laugh at clowns. What do you mean they're a collection of clowns? That's horrible. That's rotten. Is that the worst he could say about them? People are having that kind of reaction. But then Bannon said this, and this is one of the top three things in this interview that's got Washington going, <laughs> The Democrats, Bannon said, the longer they talk about identity politics, I got them. I want them talking about race every day. If the left is focused on race and identity and we go with economic nationalism, we will crush the Democrats. We'll wipe the floor with them. So Bannon's claiming he loves the media focus on this stuff. He loves the Democrats running around acting offended and outraged. Identity, politics, race, that's the greatest distraction we could have foisted on them ever. Let them keep talking about that, and we are going to steamroller them with massive economic improvements. Once again, the overall flavor of the interview is that Trump is not President Bannon is. That Bannon's doing all these things. Trump's taking advice and doing it. I want this. I'm doing this. You give me that, and I'll take that. Yes, I'm glad the media's doing that. Hell yes. I don't care. North Korea, that's a sideshow. China, that's a real enemy. That's what I'm focused on. I'm doing everything I can to get rid of Gary Cohn and the Goldman Sachs Nash. So why do this? Why do it? And that's, that's what all the intrigue in Washington's really all about. And I will weigh in on that myself. I, there's some possibilities here. But... To understand the possibilities, you have to have been privy to some of the scuttlebutt that's going around. Which, of course, as a powerful, influential member of the media, I am aware of the scuttlebutt, which makes my analysis informed. Okay, one of the possibilities with Bannon and and doing it. By the way, Bannon has now spoken again to the UK Daily Mail saying, hey, this was good today, this interview with Kuttner, because it took all the focus off Trump today. It, it, it put the focus on me, it took the focus away from Trump, and that was good. I did a service. And to the extent that it took the focus off Trump, it did, but it's by no means going to change anything in that regard. The media is not going to forget about Trump, is the point. So the scuttlebutt is, folks, for the past month that Bannon's been on the outs and that he was just a gnat's eyelash away from being fired. 
But Trump is reluctant to fire him because of what Bannon knows. And would rather keep Bannon inside the tent and maybe isolate him rather than fire him and have Bannon go out there and start launching on Trump because there's a there's a fear. I think this is misguided, but there's a fear that Bannon could talk Trump's voters out of supporting it. Let me ask you, if Bannon leaves the White House, he resigns or is fired and then starts, he goes back to Breitbart or goes on TV and radio every night, starts down talking Trump. Is it going to convince you to abandon Trump? It's, it won't. But apparently there's people inside the White House who think that Bannon has that power, that nobody else, only Trump and Bannon, could actually destroy the Trump uh, connection with his base. The, the other possibility here is related to the first, that, that Bannon goes out and does this because he's heard and knows that Kelly doesn't like him and Trump's mad at him and wants him gone. And so this could, could be almost an example. Okay, you fire me. Look at what you're in for. This is just a taste of what I'm going to do to you. There's all kinds of intrigue going on here uh, with this. And this is what Karl Rove was saying. Karl Rove said, I cannot believe that there's a presidential administration where an aide has this kind of, the, of power, the ability to be such a damn distraction. Now, there's another theory about Bannon. I guess the third one, and that is that uh, Bannon doesn't want to resign he wants to get fired. Uh, and this theory, again, requires a belief that Trump's base actually loves Bannon more than Trump. And that Trump's base likes Bannon be- or likes Trump because of Bannon. But, but, folks, when I tell you this, don't doubt me. There are people, there are people all over Washington, D.C., who think that Steve Bannon made Trump, that Trump didn't have anything to do with it. And they think that Trump uh, has words put in his mouth by Bannon. This this is why when when Trump had his press conference uh, yesterday or whatever it was and started answering questions about Bannon, he he reminds people that Bannon didn't come on until after he'd won the nomination for all intents and purposes. Trump makes it he tries to make it clear that Bannon had nothing to do with him winning the nomination, that he hired Bannon to be CEO of the presidential campaign. Uh, and he he goes to great pains. Look, I, I've known Bannon a while, but he didn't come on board here. He wasn't here at the beginning. He didn't have anything to do with this at the beginning. So there there's something going on internally here. You know, there have there has been a book that came out a couple of months after Trump's inauguration. The subject of the book was how Bannon was the architect of Trump's presidency, and supposedly Trump steamed over that, which I totally understand. By the way, I. I completely would understand if if that's true. I also have been told long before Trump even ran for president that if you work for Trump, you sign a non-disparagement agreement, kind of like an NDA, a non-disclosure. You you promise that you will not disparage Trump after you leave his employ. And you sign that, and there's a uh, you're agreeing. It's like a a ten million dollar penalty, potential lawsuit. I don't know if if those things survived with White House staff basically having them. Uh, They don't stop people from talking in most cases, but uh, 
they can. They can be helpful, NDAs, non-disparagement agreements. But the important thing about, about all of these theories is that they are all predicated on the fact that Bannon can destroy Trump. Because in the media's eyes, Bannon made Trump. Trump is too dumb to have made himself. Trump is, is too rough around the edges. Trump is not a deep enough thinker, and he's not nearly a brilliant strategist. Trump couldn't have gotten himself elected. That's what they all think. Bannon did that. And so they are, they are uh, the people inside the Beltway are captivated by this. They really believe that Trump will not fire Bannon because Trump knows that Bannon can destroy him because they think that all that has to happen is for Bannon to go on TV and tell Trump's voters that Trump's a phony and Trump's this and that Trump's voters will abandon him. Inside the Beltway, analysts actually believe that Trump's voters are more loyal and more devoted and more appreciative of Bannon than they are Trump. Do not doubt me on this. If you don't understand that, you won't understand these theories as you read them. That Bannon is the creator of populism, for example. That Bannon is the creator of Trump nationalism. That Bannon is the guy who created the alt-right. Who is the Trump's, is Trump's base? All of that is just total BS. It was mainstream Americans that signed up and voted for Donald Trump. Mainstream Americans all over the country. There aren't enough of these ragtag wackos to elect anybody president. The alt-right, which nobody ever heard of, by the way, until Trump came along. I never heard of the. You ever heard of the alt-right, Snurdly? Last year, that's what I mean. You heard, five years ago, you ever heard of the alt-right? I'll tell you what I heard. There was, there's, there's always been on the Internet... The alt discussion groups, I forget the uh, total, the, the, the name of them, but the, the, the alt, it's been a wacko fringe of the internet, and somehow alt-right ends up being created, and they credit Bannon with that. So inside the Beltway, the Washington establishment, Trump is, he really is a buffoon, folks. And that's why they can't believe he won. And they really think that Bannon could destroy him. And they think that Trump knows it. And so that's why they will tell you that Trump is very reluctant to let him go. Because Trump knows that Bannon could blow up his, his coalition. And I think it's so much BS, I can't tell you. But this is what they think. And I'm just sharing this with you because you're going to be hearing and reading about all this. And you're going to hear all these theories about what Bannon's doing and why he's doing it and why Trump doesn't fire him or why Trump will fire him or why Bannon won't just quit. And I'm telling you, to understand the theories, you have to, you have to understand that the people talking about it think that, that Bannon's the Svengali and that Trump is an empty vessel wandering around every day doing what Bannon said, and that's how he got elected. Need to clips of confusion. I was not saying that an NDA is a non-disparagement agreement. I was talking a non-disparagement agreement and an NDA. Uh, Trump does both. He has non-disparagement agreements with some of his employees. Under penalty of $10 million fine, you are not allowed to disparage Trump while or after you work for him.
Non-disclosure agreements are a totally different thing. You're not allowed to discuss or disclose anything you saw or witnessed or heard when you work for somebody or when you're in their employ. I'm telling you, I've heard that Trump has non-disparagement agreements in his, in his private business. I don't know that they've carried over to the White House staff, but I'll bet they have. And I'll bet Bannon has one. And I'll bet a lot of people in there do. And uh, I, look, I need to say this, this one more time because every time that I explain it to the staff here, they can't believe. I am telling you, folks, there are what you would consider to be mainstream conservative blogs and websites who literally believe that Steve Bannon is what got Trump elected and that Steve Bannon, if fired, could destroy Trump. There are people who think that Trump's base was created by Bannon. They are alt-right, white nationalists and so forth, and that if Bannon ever turned on Trump, that everybody that voted for Trump would abandon Trump. If Bannon, if Bannon leaves. And I'm t- I think that's just so much BS, I can't tell you. And so do the staff in here who voted for Trump. But I'm telling you that people inside the Beltway and what you would think are mainstream publications literally believe that. Just like many of them literally believe that Russia colluded with Trump, no matter the evidence, they think it happened. There is so much visceral hatred, dislike, disappointment in Trump being president that these views are far more widespread than you would believe. I would venture to say that most Trump voters had never heard of Steve Bannon, even when he was named chief strategist. But that's not what they think.